Go watch. All right. <laughs> and by the way, we are up to date on all uh, podcasts uh, up through last week. Everything's on, up on the on the web if you're interested. So um, we were in Philemon. My, my goal is to finish Philemon in this month, the month of November, and then we'll go into our Advent. I have the, inf I have the, the literature uh, all in digital form, so we'll be distributing that as we get into uh, the month of December, and we'll, we'll do an Advent study, and then we'll come back to uh, uh, study of uh, probably First Corinthians uh, after that. I've already started working on that. By the way, if, if you've not been in an Advent study with us, remember that Advent is uh, is not new. It's been in something the church has done for years. It, it comes out of actually the the uh, Israelites uh, longing for a, a, a Messiah and this deep sense of uh, expectation that he would uh, that he would come and redeem them. And the church took that I, that concept and added to it the idea of Christ's coming again. And uh, the desire that we have for him to come and the preparation that we do prior to the Christmas season is, is, was called Advent for the purpose of, uh, of us anticipating what happens when he comes. First, to celebrate this, he's coming the first time, but then secondly, to remind us that he has promised he will come again and, uh, and what that means to each of us as we think about that. Sometimes we get so caught up in that. But isn't it great to hear those old stories again? Yeah. You know, remember as a kid, you know, you used to, that's what you loved. You loved hearing the old stories, you know. You could read the same story to a little kid 30 mm. times, you know, and they would still want that story again. Mm. And there's something about that old, old story that we appreciate and, and, and love to hear. So we'll be doing that for the month of uh, mm. Uh, the month of, of December. All right, so we're in Philemon. As long as you don't play Christmas ship. music. Sorry? As long as you don't play Christmas music. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we don't play Christmas music. And so it looks like uh, we're going to have quite a frenetic pace here with, uh, uh, we got 20 days, 21 days left, and there's only 25 verses, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Was that subtle, Tom? That was. Hey, would one of you guys take the knife that Tom's been twisting in my back? Take it out of my back for me. Well, yeah. yeah, Jim. Jim's not with us, and he was usually one to you know make yes, some comments. But at least, at least he uh, he, he honored me occasionally with, with giving me an honorary title. So that was. <laughs> so what? What chapter are we in? All the rest of us were honoring you. Uh, Val, by not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, and I so appreciate the fact, Keith, that you are not saying anything at all. That's that's really yeah. <laughs> not even mentioning it. All right, we're in Philemon. We're going to start it up in verse four. Wow. Last week we dealt in the first three verses and got very far, as you can tell. In uh, Philemon four, we'll read the, at least the first few verses where it says. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers and because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be, uh, that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love 
has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. All right. So we started a little bit on this last week, but uh, just to, to reiterate, every time it seems that Paul starts a prayer, he always gives thanks. And I think that that's important, that we don't forget that God has been taking care of us and dealing with things along the way. It's so easy for me when I pray, you know, it, it becomes uh, kind of like my, my wish list to God, you know. Uh, I have my Amazon wish list of all the things I'd like to get. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I want to take that before God and say, here's, here's what we want you to do, God, without really appreciating the fact that he is God. So he thanks God. He does this in a, in a different way. And he says that, he says, I thank my God. This is that same word, thanks, is uh, the word that we get Eucharist from. In, in English, we talk about uh, the Eucharist, which would be like the, the um, communion um, celebration, is really a, a celebration of thanksgiving for what God has done for us. That's what Eucharist comes from, is the idea of thanks. So I thank God. Uh, as I remember you, and, be, and because I've heard of, of your faith, uh, he seems to, he says, I, I want you to be active. I pray that you'll be active. He says, I want you to be, he talks about Thanksgiving, and then he talks about, you know, wanting what he wants them to do. I, I always remember you, because I thank God every time I think of you. And um, wouldn't that be great if we did that? If we, if when God brought some, when, when something crossed our mind, we would give God thanks for for that, and especially this season of Thanksgiving, <clears throat> we would take the time to thank God for what He's provided for us, yeah. for food, for lodging, for transportation, for uh, for Bible study, for a church that we can uh, attend and and have uh, uh, a blessing from that. Um, for the opportunity we have to serve, uh, for breath itself, you know, all those things that we start to talk about um, and be thankful for. And I think that if we just would take the time to thank God, uh, we'd be a little a little more thankful in our in our appreciation of what He's done for us, versus always always asking for more. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, and then he talks about this. He says there are two outstanding uh, attributes that he, he sees in, in Philemon. First, he, he says he's a genuine Christian. And second, he, dem he sees that he demonstrates his love for everyone. I think that that's awesome. Wouldn't it be great when people look at us, they can say, you know what? I sense that you're a, a true believer. And you demonstrate that by the fact that you have love one towards another, a love for everyone. I find that really uh, a bit of a challenge at times when we tend to not be loving towards each other. Uh, I have been saddened at times by some of the, uh, the outbursts that happen in uh, specifically on Facebook. It seems like, Oh my goodness. I, uh, I wonder where, where our Christianity went sometimes, even in the midst of fighting over something that we think is Christian. Um, we get uh, very worked up. So demonstrate your love towards each other. And then it's interesting that usually when Paul talks about uh, faith and love, he also includes hope in that. 
and hope is uh, uh, an eschatological thing because we're hoping for what will happen in the future. We it's the hope of Christ's return, the hope of eternal glory, the hope of uh, of um, being with Him forever. All of those things, the hope, and, and that's, remember, hope is a settled conviction, uh, an assurance of something in, in, in biblical terms. Hope today is, uh, the definition of hope is different than the hope that is defined in scripture. But in this particular instance, hope is a, a, omitted, and perhaps the reason is that um, there is no real eschatological perspective in this little book. It's all about social and religious issues. Uh, also, it's a letter that he's written to a friend, and I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but that's one of the suggestions that's made. I would think that perhaps the first one is much more uh, logical, that uh, he's dealing with social issues and religious issues and not necessarily with eschatological issues. By the way, when we get into First Corinthians, we will eventually deal with eschatological. You wanted to know some of my thoughts on Eschatology. Anybody remember what eschatology means? I used a fifty-cent word in a five-cent a five-cent group. Oh, isn't that the um, uh, end times? End times. End times. What happens in the at, after this? What's the future hold? You want to know what the future holds? First Corinthians will be dealing with this, especially when we get to chapter fifteen. All right. Uh, he goes on to say that um, he wants us to have uh, this, this uh, let's see, let me get the verse in front of me here. Uh, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Full understanding. One of the words there is, the, is the, that full understanding is in some translations is translated knowledge. Um, the idea is that you'll have full knowledge uh, of participating in the faith. That's also a, a question. What does it mean to participate in the faith? What do you think? We'll be active in some way. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Sharing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Walking, walking and talking, walking it, walking through it. Um, you know, you should be able to identify right away with our walk and how we live and how we present ourselves. Okay. All right. So um, knowing how to apply faith is a matter uh, to, to the matter at hand comes with experiential knowledge. You know, sometimes you have to have faith and then you have to figure out how to apply that faith, right? And sometimes that comes with knowledge. The content of knowledge is that it, knowledge of, uh, of every good thing to us. It modifies the, the concept of knowledge or uh, of, uh, oh, what's it say in the NIV here, uh, uh, full understanding. Um, it's interesting that... Um, uh, the translation here is, is that we have every good thing in Christ. Uh, that's kind of an interesting phrase there, that in Christ, because in the Greek, it really kind of almost lends itself towards saying unto Christ. Christians, uh, when Christians act, 
act in accord with the blessings they have in Christ, they grow closer to Christ. When we do the things that God wants us to do, when we actually love other people, when we're doing the horizontal, after we get the vertical going, we start doing the horizontal, we actually grow closer to Christ in the process of doing that. Isn't that kind of, um, is that good? Is that bad? Do you, have you felt that way? Have you ever noticed that? You walk away from having done something <clears throat> for people out of pure desire to love them and felt good about yourself? Hmm. No, I, I know none of you ever feel good about yourself. Hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So he says, this, he says, your hearts have given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Paul is saying to Philemon here, he's saying, um, I am, uh, I'm, I'm excited about what you're doing for, for people. Hospitality in the first century was very, very important. Um, hospitality in parts of the world where there aren't, you know, you don't find in some parts of the world, you don't find a hotel. When, when we, when we take trips, I know Rick was on a mission trip one time to Africa. Uh, th there weren't a lot of hotels there out in the bush. Was it, were there? You had to rely on the hospitality of the people. That you the were best, yeah. But the best was at Sic in Sicily and Sardinia. Those, those people are, Unbelievable! Don't even know you, and, and put them up yeah. in your house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I mean, were, they've been, they've, yeah. So he says, I want you to have this uh, this concept of he says joy. He modifies much joy, and he talks about encouragement. And he says, I want you to do this. The basic themes in in this book seem to be love, faith, the Lord Jesus, the saints, participation. Good, joy, encouragement, and here's one that I love, bowels of mercy. Now, that's the King James Version. In the NIV, it's, it's this. It says, they have refreshed the hearts of the saints. That's, that's because we're comfortable with that. But in the original, in the Greek, they talked about, the, they thought the seat of emotion were the bowels. <laughs> there have been times when I've had... A lot of emotion when my bowels have acted up. Um, but uh, that's the, the purpose there is to say that I want you to realize that he's, he's trying to establish goodwill with between himself and Philemon. He's uh, anticipating his case by stressing how, how good Philemon is and all of the good qualities that Philemon has. And third, he's alluding to some particular matters that would be helpful to him later as he summarizes his letter we get over to verse 17 so if i want to take this and put some application to this i think one of the things that i find interesting about this is the fact that he's writing an open letter to all of the, the saints to philemon to what appears to be philemon's wife to either the pastor of the church which who also might be the the son of philemon um in the first three verses there. And what we see here is that uh, 
is a different aspect, a different understanding of church than we do today. Today, in our culture, we tend to think of church as a voluntary association of people that happen to hold the same religious views. Now, I think that that we in, in, in DIG, I think that we have a group of people that is a voluntary association of people that have similar orthodox views, but some of the peripheral views are different and that's okay. God doesn't say that you have to be in lockstep with me on everything. Uh, in fact, I think that if you did, it would mean you're not thinking for yourself. So Paul, though, I think here, he seems to think that uh, saw membership in the church as something that was far more than that. Uh, he shows both the natural and the spiritual, how they intersect. And uh, uh, he understood that what Philemon was going to decide to do with this unfaithful uh, slave was purely a private matter over which he had the, the right to say whatever he wanted to the final say. But the consequences of his decision would affect the entire church. And I think that what you see here is that there are times when we're, a, the smaller the group, the more this is true, that, the, that when a group, uh, an ethical decision that someone makes can have an immediate reper repercussions on the entire group that you're involved with. Hmm. You know, if I were to decide to go out and, and um, uh, do something that was totally against scripture. Uh, it might not shake your faith in Christ, but it might shake your faith in me and question everything that I've, I've taught you over the years. Um, that would be a tough thing to do. So, so let me ask Val. Yeah. The group in general, how do we, how do we think of, uh, of our faith today? Do we, you know, do we really think of it more as a collective or do we think of it as an individual? Because most people, I, I believe, they, they look at the, their faith as being an individual thing. It's not a, it's not a collective. And um, for the most part, we don't, we don't listen to other people. Or we don't listen oftentimes to uh, or, or try to find really what the meaning of, uh, of the word is to uh, the Christian body. Mm -hmm. It's more to you know, how we feel. Mm. Now, I could be wrong, but I think I think you might be right. But let's open it up. Guys, what do you think? I, I agree. I think it, it, it's very much an individual thing. And I think that's one of the differences in, say, Kensington, Heritage, the churches that, you know, Rick's church, uh, you know, you get together as a collective. We're all parts of the, of the body, but we're all different parts. And we make decisions for ourselves regarding our faith, uh, as opposed to having a church body tell us Mm. we have to believe about something which is sort of the i think about the catholic church i mean that's, they tell you this is this is how it is period and uh and i think that's why so many people have left the catholic church because uh, one they don't see the leaders doing what you know what they're saying 
any more than you know the uh, some of the leaders in the the TV ministers that went out and did all these yeah. things is, well, wait a second. You're telling me what I'm supposed to believe. You can't even believe it yourself. Okay. Yeah. There's some, there's some, there's some truth in there. That's for sure. Okay. What? what? I need to go back because I, I'm not talking, I don't believe necessarily that a body because the, the you know, that we have it. The head of the church, I believe, no matter what building it is, should be God. Yeah. Not a group, not a pope, not a, a bishop or whatever, but somewhere in there, there should be the teaching should be something that we can look at and we can say somewhat together. I believe that. But there's so it, everything is so broad that oftentimes I think we pick and choose what we want, what we want to believe, not necessarily what God wants us to believe or wants us to do. And you know, in in that way, I think sometimes we we individually lead others. Uh, either to a good place or to uh, a, a negative area yeah. in, uh, in faith. One of the things that uh, um, has been a uh, both good and bad, you know, there's always a good side and always a bad side to everything we do. There's always an upside and always a downside to it. Oh. And uh, for years, Kensington has, uh, has majored on the, the central core of Christianity without taking any kind of very, very few stands on anything outside of that. Just as an example, uh, is, you know, eternal security versus, uh, uh, you know, can you, uh, can you fall away from your faith and, and lose it? Mm -hmm. uh, things like um, uh, social justice issues. Um, and, uh, they, they've tried, they've tried, you know, whether you, and, and the leadership has been very broad in, in, uh, there have been people that have been on staff that are both, you know, Presbyterian, which is one side, you know, sovereignty of God, free will of man would be more Methodist. There've been Methodists and, and Presbyterians, Baptists, Charismatics, Pentecostals, uh, all sorts of, of different, uh, belief systems have have joined together in Kensington. Yet now what I'm hearing is that they are going to try to uh, all come to an agreement on what they believe and write and come to a position. Huh. Um, if that's the case. <laughs> on, on essentials, right? Yeah. So I, and, and I don't know what, how you define essentials. Essentials, I think right. they've always agreed on. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the, it's that secondary ring yeah. You know, you the, what do you, you do about thing. baptism? You know, is well, baptism uh, full immersion? Or? Yeah. What about child, I, child baptism or child dedication? You know, and, and the church has taken some positions, uh, very loose positions, and so they're trying to they're trying to decide how what they're going to be. Um, and that that's good because it you need something. 
I, as I told, I told Andrew recently, we were talking, I said, you know, I said that I, I would, I look forward to at least knowing what you believe uh, as a group, as a church, because there have been times that I've come to you and asked the church leadership, what do you believe about this issue? And I've been told we don't take a stand on it. We don't, we don't have a position, you know, and I'm going, it's really hard to carry water for you when my buckets, when my, my bucket is either empty or is full, so full of holes that I, I can't do anything. You know, so it would be helpful if I knew what, what I was supposed to be carrying. So, um, but I think, uh, I think we're, we're looking, I think with Danny, I think you're seeing that uh, is being developed. Now, what, and that's one of the reasons why, remember what's, uh, um, uh, Craig, no, uh, Johnson, what's it, Cliff Johnson. Cliff Johnson's, one of his roles is to help write position papers for the church. Now, whether what that looks like at the end, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not involved in it. I'll. I'll see it the same time you guys do. I'm sure. Um, but it is going to. You know, it will affect the church. And as far as James, what one of the things that I I found fascinating about what you were talking about, you know, versus the community versus the individual. Well, it really is a lot like Eastern and Western thought process. Um, so, uh, may Matt, thanks for coming, man. Take off when you got to go. Don't worry about it. We're, right, yeah, we're, yeah. We've reached that time again, haven't we? Um, but this, this idea of, uh, uh, can we be both? Can we have both an individual aspect to our faith and a collective aspect to our faith? And I, I think the answer is yes, but how that works out and how that plays out is that our faith will affect other people. You know, some people have said there are five gospels that people will see. Four of them are in the Bible. One is your life. I, do, you, do you bring people to Christ? You, you, go ahead, Edwin. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you, uh, <laughs> if you lived on an island and only knew the island, do you think you would find God? I think every time you turn, you're affected by somebody, even though you're the one responsible for making your decision, you're still influenced That's at good. some level everywhere. That's good. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I can't, if I, like I said, if I was on an Island, I'm not, I'm sure there's something I would figure out, but I don't know if I would have found God if I was totally isolated on my own individual well, decision-making. It's like that, that old joke about the guy that was on the island and when he was rescued, there were three buildings. Yeah, really. <laughs> and one, the people said, well, what's the, um, why the three buildings? And he said, well, the first is the one is my home. It's where I live. That's the hut. And he said, the second one over there is the church that I go to. He said, well, what's that? What's the third one? He said, well, that's the church I used to, go, I used to go to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That> was... <laughs> I do have multiple personalities, so it's okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Listen to the voices. Listen to the yeah. voices. There is a, there is a, 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 there is something that we need to think about. And, and we're going to be talking about that. Probably first Corinthians is not a bad place to go after this. So we're going to be talking about the body and what does the body look like and how important is it that we have all of the body, the, the body of the church needs to have all of the members in order to be an effective body. 
And when it doesn't have all the members, it can't function nearly to the same extent that it can when it has all, all of the parts that it needs to have. Which means that you have to have a right foot and a left foot. You know, you need to have uh, a heart. You need to have a digestive system. You need to have lungs. You need to have eyes and ears and hands and feet. And, you know, all those things are important. And without them, uh, the body can't function. You know, as we, as some of us have gotten older, we've discovered that certain parts of our body don't work so much so well anymore. <laughs> and that pain is not just in one part of the body, it's, it affects the entire body at times. So we need to realize that decisions that we make as individuals will affect our biblical community which is what Paul is trying to do with Philemon is kind of set him up to make a, hopefully a good decision. Yeah. Your hope. Yeah. And, and that, and here's the thing. We don't know. We don't know the answer. We, we're not told what, it, what the decision was. Like I said, we come in midway into the story and we leave before the story is done. At the, end of the book. Yeah. The, the thing is though, you know, every, like you said, different parts of the body, uh, and each part has a different function. But the yep. only way that you move forward is that at some point, all parts of the body have to be working in harmony. Together, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The right foot can't go to the right, and the left foot goes to the left in order to move forward. Yep. The right arm can't go, you know, whatever. So... It doesn't mean that we all move at the same point, but no. we all move in the same direction. Yep. And, that's and we all of, answer to one head. Exactly. You can hop. That head is Christ. You can hop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I, I want to drag my kids with me. <laughs> Kicking and screaming. <laughs> well, that, the, uh, you know, Sounds like me when I was a kid. <laughs> the kicking and screaming part or the hopping part? <laughs> often they get, often they get there, uh, but they only get there because you started them out in that direction. Yeah, and they and they initially and then they have to find their way. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I wish they'd just do it my way. It'd be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think God thinks the same thing. <laughs> yes, he, yes, know, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Well, guys, we've reached the end of our uh, our allotted time, so I'm going to stop the recording.